Welcome to the Feel Good Running Podcast. No matter what level runner you are, and whether you prefer road or trail running or both, you will find this podcast informative, motivating, inspiring, and entertaining. We have interesting guests, running-related information, inspirational stories about real runners, and much more. Now, here's your host and a longtime runner himself, Jim Lynch. Hello, runners. How are you doing? Oh my gosh, it's almost summertime and it is hot, at least here in Denver, Colorado. It's been in the 90s. I don't know about where you live, but man, it is hot. And you know, running in the heat, you need to take more fluids, run slower, and try to run in the morning when it's a little bit cooler. So be smart out there if you're running in the heat. My name is Jim Lynch. This is my podcast, Feel Good Running. I'd like to welcome you to it. If you are a brand new listener, this is your first time. Thank you for checking us out. I really appreciate it. And if you're an existing listener, thank you so much for your support. And you can get any past episodes by going to feelgoodrunning.com or go to Apple Podcast and subscribe. It's free and you can get any past or future episodes. They'll be delivered right to you. And if you could leave a review or a rating, that would be so much appreciated and it really helps the show. Oh, and one other thing, if you could share this with your running friends or on your social media platforms, that would also be appreciated. And again, also help the show. All right, we are going to get right into it. This episode is a real treat for you runners. My guests are two very influential and highly respected individuals in the running community. Lonnie Summers is the co-owner of Hell Sports. This is an event company that owns and manages several running events here in the Denver area, including the state of Colorado and other states. Cree Kelly, he's the race director of the Colfax Marathon, also here in Denver, and he has many other accolades under his belt, which you are soon going to hear. And in addition to their race directing, both are seasoned race announcers and involved in each other's business. In a good way, of course. Now, running is back, and so are live races. This fall, several marathons that were previously canceled or went virtual during the pandemic are coming back with a vengeance. Boston, Chicago, New York, London, Tokyo, and the Colfax Marathon here in Denver are just to name a few. Some of these races expect up to 25,000, 30,000 or more runners. Now, how will these races be organized? Will there be an expo where you pick up your race bib and buy running items from vendors? What will the start line be like? Will there be spectators along the course? Will the finish line area allow finishers and spectators to gather and have normal after-race festivities? These are questions that are either not clear or not yet answered. The officials of these races are consulting with their local governments constantly to follow CDC guidelines and present the safest race possible for all runners. Smaller races are also back. In our conversation that you're about to hear, I mentioned that a study found 17% of today's runners started during the pandemic. Well, that was incorrect. It's actually 28%. These are runners that have never experienced a live race. They are in for a fantastic experience. And maybe you are one of these runners. As a runner, you pay your entry fee, show up at the start line and run the race, expecting proper support along the way, a lot of fun, and just a fantastic life experience. Well, there is so much that goes into planning, developing, and putting on an event. 
And you're going to hear all about it from a race director's perspective. And when you go away after listening, you're going to have a better understanding, appreciation, and respect for the actual running event. And these two individuals are the best of the best. So now, here is me talking to Lonnie Summers and Cree Kelly. So, uh, wow, what a great area you live in, Lonnie. I mean, I came off of uh, 470 and I'm looking and you're right next to Waterton Canyon and Chatfield Dam and the views and the vistas and all of that is just amazing. This is a great area. I, I don't think I'd ever leave your house. No, I think Except to go to Waterton Canyon. Right, exactly. It's great because we're, we're not too far away from any of the necessities of life, but we're secluded enough and we're surrounded, like you said, uh, we've got Chatfield Reservoir and we've got um, um, the Hogback behind us and we've got the um, Botanic Gardens to the north of us and the south of us is uh, all Lockheed Martin area, which is all open space, never to be developed. So we're kind of this nice secluded, untouched area. Oh, it's amazing over here. I live in Northfield. doesn't look anything like this. No. So, <laughs> so Kudos to you for being where you're at. Um, I'm here with probably two of the most influential people in the Denver and even Colorado running world. And, and even outside of that, we're talking uh, nationwide. So uh, I feel real honored to be here with you. And uh, I'm really looking forward to what we're going to be discussing. Now, Lonnie, you have a, a company called Hell Sports. And for those who don't know, Hell Sports is healthy, active living. So you're the uh, co-owner with your wife, mm-hmm. Michelle, and been in the industry for about 15 years of doing endurance running. And you're an event announcer. You're uh the uh, chairman and CEO of the Fetal Health Foundation, which we'll talk about because that's kind of how you got started into all this, I think, from yeah. reading up on you. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's very amazing on what that is all about. And I think the listeners are going to really appreciate listening to what you've done with that foundation. Uh, you created a national race for Fetal Hope 5K Run Series, which is now the Great Candy Run. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. And before that, you've been, you know, an executive management person in the financial and accounting and operation roles and on the running USA board of directors, which we will segue over to Cree, who's created <laughs> and started running USA. And Cree, you've got 30 years experience. And we've talked before because last October you were on one of my podcasts, you and Andrea talking about, you know, where the running world was at that time and putting together that wonderful plan. You put a lot of energy and I think you were involved with that too. Right, right, Lonnie. And uh, you put on over a thousand races across the country and you're still vertical, which is really amazing. Let's see what it looks like tomorrow. Yeah. See what he did. He found, he found me and he kept pulling me further and further into that. So he gets to stay vertical and I started getting the gray hair. Yeah. But you're, you're crossing over each other because you're involved in each other's (laughs) business quite a bit. You, uh, were with the inaugural Colfax Marathon in 2006 and been the race director since 2008. And uh, you've been inducted into the USA Hall of Champions and the Colorado Running Hall of Fame. And one of your passions is traveling all over the country and announcing races. Yeah, it sure is. And, you know, when you said 30 years and I went a modest addition is that 
I actually put on my first event in the um, January of 1979. Mm. And so I won't count 79 because I was, I didn't know what a race was really other than something you race in. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's been since 1980, effectively, that I've been involved in the sport. And so it's been a really crazy ride. And I was actually thinking about it and I was thinking about Lonnie and where I was 15 years into the sport, which would have been like the mid nineties. And, you know, by that time I thought I knew everything and, and I didn't, I mean, I, I thought I did, but I really didn't. Uh, and you know, you gain humility by making mistakes and adjusting to it. And so I think how he's accomplished his career and what how sports has become, it, you know, makes me really proud because I had my management company for a very long time and then sold it. And, another story. But the fact that Lonnie was here, I knew that this marketplace locally was in great hands. So that was a really good feeling for me. I would you know, have a friend doing it, not some third party that I really didn't know. Right. And you, your business has accelerated, Lonnie, over the last few years. It seems like you're involved in just about every race here in the Denver area. Yeah, and it's uh, you know it's interesting when we we started this, it was uh, uh, in really supposed to be just kind of a side business. My wife and I both worked in in uh, various uh, career paths, uh, and this wasn't something we were looking to do. And um, uh, actually, it was because of, of Cree, who uh, uh, I always credit with the fact of kind of saw something that uh, maybe I had a knack for doing some of this stuff and introduced me to the right people. And before I knew it, we had a, uh, a timing company. But when we came into this, one of our premises, and I think really allowed us to grow, was as a charity putting on an event, really, truly, what the heck did we know? We did it one time a year. And I always got a, a kick out of people, and Cree Pride members too. Somebody comes in and says, well, I've done this race for 10 years. Well, you've only done it 10 times. That's, that could be a weekend for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, right. with some events. But what I found was is that we had vendors that showed up and they did a great job for us, but they didn't allow me to grow my event. They didn't allow me to do this, don't do this, learn from the mistakes, so things that they saw that could be done better. And we realized a lot of events are community-based events, charity-based events. When you look at them, yeah, there's the big ones that have a lot of infrastructure, but there's a lot that don't that make up a primary amount of the events taking place. And that's what we wanted to bring with House Sports was we wanted to be that indispensable resource to those community events, to the charities that have turnover and they're concerned with other things. They're not going to learn how to be experts in this area. And we could bring that expertise to them and make things easier on them and make sure that they had a really good event being put on and a safe event um, and a good event. And that, you know, it's funny, I, I still had, which I finally got rid of probably a few years ago, but I still had the original marketing material that we started out with when we first started the company. Um, I never gave it out. It was really a lot of thanks to Cree and promoting us and believing in us um, and others that saw once we did and uh, what we said we were going to do and we did those things and we stood by our convictions, uh, word of mouth got out and it's allowed us, you know, we were, and it was funny, originally it was like, we're just going to be in the Denver area. And now we've, you know, we've been to Alaska, we've been to Canada, we've been all over the United States, New York, Florida, New Mexico, California. It's incredible. It's amazing. And um, I'm looking when I was doing the research on your company, you can take somebody who's never put on a race before that said, you know, we want to do a race and make a little bit of money for our charity or whatever. And you can take it from soup to nuts and make it a, a an event or you can take an existing event and just accelerate what they were doing before. 
I mean, I'm looking at uh, some of your services. You do the complete event management, timing and scoring, registration and data management, and even the strategy behind it. And, you know, all the different uh, segues that you can go into, nonprofits, uh, corporate runs, uh, even outside of running triathlons and cycling and whatever else you know, people would need, would need some sort of event coordination for. So it's amazing how you've developed your company. Oh, thank you. And, you know, it, it stems on a few principles is that, and one is, and it's interesting and very, uh, coincidence or serendipitous, um, that. What was that word? Serendipitous, did I say that right? I probably look not. that up in the you, dictionary you, I later. You, I think you conflated two words. But. <laughs> probably, I probably did. <laughs> no, I'm good at that. It's kind of, if, yeah, this will, this will fall in really nicely to some of the Disney stuff I'll talk about. Because yeah. So you can get, uh, Doc from Seven Dwarves, uh, Snow White and Seven Dwarves who combines words like that. I'm masterful at it. I don't even have to think about it. It just happens. I couldn't do it if I tried, but, um, Are you related to Walt in any way? I, I wish. <laughs> yeah, he, he wouldn't be talking to you right now. Got it. <laughs> um, but I, you know, my wife and I actually met at Disney and we started our careers with Disney on a college program. And that really going through the Disney university stuff really instilled in me creating experiences and, uh, and really having some core beliefs. And so for us, it was when we, when we work with events and trying to put them on, it was things had, we realized that there was a market for people wanting experiences, not just a start finish line. Here's your banana and leave. And we wanted and we saw events just constantly falling into the same method and mythology. And so, uh, you know, it's very interesting because when we started our event, it was Cree who was recommended to us. And, uh, we met with him and he got involved with us, gave us all this information. And we knew he was his company and he was the right person right away to guide us when we started our charity event. Um, Unbeknownst to us, he was the announcer for Disney. My wife's and I's very first marathon How, was Disney. Knew? Right. Um, so it was very interesting that we were now sitting with a guy who probably announced our names coming across the finish line. Um, and then, but, you know, I think Cree can appreciate all of his work that he's done with Disney and we do too of how they just change a few different nomenclatures uh, in people's mind and the staff's mind to make it an experience for people. And mm -hmm. so for us as health sports, you know, three key core values for us is safety, integrity, and experience. Uh, safety really goes without a uh, saying, and, and even more so in the last 14, 15 months, it's right. been a really key area. Um, but the experience piece of it, and I do talks on this, I created something called the perfect P E R R. And I talk a lot about this with events and think about and how they think about their event. And that is, you know, events and the P stands for personalization. They need to feel personable to people. People want to have a personalized connection with the event, whether it's for charity, in memoriam of something exciting that they're doing for themselves. Everyone has a story of why they're lining up and they have to touch in that personalization piece of it. The second part is the E and that's the engagement piece. You want to make events engaging. Now, some events have a million different ways to be able to be engaged, and some only have one way, as long as there's something that's engaging people in it to keep them coming back. And the third thing that I like to say is the double R, and that is an event needs to be remarkable to be remarketable. And that, is, and that is whatever you're doing. And again, some events can do many things to have those attributes there, but whatever they do, it needs to be remarkable to be remarketable. And maybe to give an example of that, I know Cree with the Run Denver series before we got involved and became partners on some of this stuff. It was it was really it's interesting looking back at it because mm. it was a combination of some different events that he, that he ended up taking over and some things that he created uh, and had a hand into, but none of them were that large. And then he's like, hey, why don't you join me and and uh, help co-run this with me and, and we'll split things. Let, and let me tell you the real truth. Okay. <laughs> I, had the, I had this uh, series and we called it Run Denver. Right. And um, he's right about the amalgamation of events. 
my goal was very practical. I needed a revenue stream because we were a for-profit company through the winter. And I was desperate for events. There were just no events. And so we created this Run Denver series and we did them like we did every other event. It was very, um, they were good events. They were solid. Good course, start, finish, timed, everything. But they weren't um, that remarkable and, and much less remarketable. Right. And I knew they were just flailing. I knew I was, and I knew I wasn't putting a lot of energy into it. And when I had learned a lot more about Lonnie, and I don't remember which year it was that you started to, that we, we engaged each other to do it. But I remember saying, you can have 50%, I'll keep 50%, but let's do it together. You're a lot smarter about the marketing components. You're a lot smarter about the accounting probably. Um, but, you know, we've got this. And he made that thing just roll out of the, out of the garage, mm. a brand new car. Mm-hmm. Really was amazing. And, and it was little things that we did because we really just touched in on things that really, again, kind of creating that personalization to people. We allowed them to kind of uh, uh, create the event experience for themselves. So we had, there were these five, five Ks, and then we started looking at things and what did people want. And we we were probably one of the last events because I blame hot chocolate for this and, and no disrespect to hot chocolate, but it was the metal mentality. Now yes. it wasn't marathons and half marathons and needed medals. It was every distance that needed a medal. Mm-hmm. And Cree had started this thing with it. If you did three of the five, because we wanted to get people out there during the winter months, you got a commemorative medal. Well, that wasn't good enough for anybody anymore. Everybody wanted a medal. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, that adds a ton of cost to us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, events are expensive to put on. Everyone thinks that they are just hand over fist and money. And that's not the case. It's There's not a lot the case. of infrastructure and costs that goes out. And so... I, um, I was like, all right, we're going to give in. We're going to try to do this. Uh, you know, one thing we're going to do is if we're going to call as a series, let's make it a series. And we're going to have series registration. And then we're going to have, you know, everyone can also register individually. And we're going to make something special for the series. Um, and then so we had some additional swag for that. And then we came up with the idea, instead of doing a shirt for everything, we're going to switch it up and outfit people the entire, for the, if they do the whole series, they're going to have this great amount of gear. And then we thought, okay, we're going to do the medals. We're going to do them bigger and better than anybody else has. So I had this idea of like, well, wouldn't it be cool that each medal fits together to create something bigger? Mm-hmm. And to keep people coming back and need to complete the medal. And it was amazing because prior to that, when we created the series, um, I think we probably had, you know, we probably have three, 400 people at an event. We maybe had 20 people that signed up for the series. Um, I remember putting on Facebook and putting out, here's what we're doing for the medal reveal. That year, it was 50% of everybody that signed up was in the series. Now wow. we have... 80 to 90% of everybody that signs up signed up for this series mm, out of our numbers. And they, and it even led us to really think about things about how we would do, um, you know, the traditional thing is like, as race directors, we get, we do, we get annoyed. We're tired of the event where it's done, it's over with. We don't want to deal with medals afterwards. And we want to deal with people not deal getting with anything medals and things afterwards. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, there's always the people like, well, I didn't show up, but I still want my medal. And you're like, oh, good grief. You didn't even run it. It's a finisher medal. You're supposed to run to get it. But, you know, you start thinking like, well, what am I going to do with all these extra medals? Right. And so we, we just made it easy on people. And, and it kind of stemmed, it kind of organically grew where we had one event. I remember we had a really bad weather day. And we all know those situations because you're, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Right. Because you got people like, oh, come on, this isn't that bad. We should be running. And you got people like, this is crazy. You're risking our lives. And right. I remember just getting lamb blasted because we could do the event. And of course, you know, it 
could be two feet of snow in the mountains, but we and, had six and zero, inches. And zero degrees. Right. And right. we had, you know, six inches down here, so it was safe. But we had people just emailing us and blasting us saying, you know, you're terrible for making us have to come to this event so we can get our medal. I'm like, really all over a medal? <laughs> um, but then, you know, I was like, don't worry, we'll take care of you. And it was just, we were the, we were the antichrist in the morning. <laughs> and by the afternoon, when I got home um, after the event and uh, I put out this program and said, all right, you still want to earn your medal? Just do it virtually. And truly, I didn't care if he did it or not. And just post on social media. And all of a sudden, we were the second coming of Jesus. Everybody yes. thought we were great. This is great. I could still earn my medal. I could create my series. So when I talk about the remarkable to remarkable, that was part of it. We created, a, we allowed people to personalize the event for themselves. We engaged them. Uh, we, cha we changed up some distances because we added a, one of them we changed from a 5K to a four mile. The last one, we added a 10K and a half marathon. So we allowed people to kind of customize. If they just want to do 5Ks, they could do that. If they wanted to work their way up to something, they could do that. They could earn these medals and reward themselves. And uh, it's now probably the biggest challenge we have is just coming with really unique medals every year that fit together. But the organic thing of that really grew is that we allowed people, you know, probably to paraphrase Burger King, we allowed them to create it their way. Right. What was going to work for Ooh, them? Oh, I just thought of a great new metal, which I'm not going to talk about here. Yeah, don't talk about here. Remind me. Yes. I just, I mean, I Your, really did. I just thought of something that I think will work. Your skill sets kind of just meld together right here. I'm just watching creation right in front of me. <laughs> I'm completely serious. I think I have a great idea. Well, you know, I, I have to, you know, uh, I guess a little bit of, of kudos. I owe Cree everything for what he's no, done for us. That's and, not um, true. And I know he's going to say, no, he's very modest, but he's been an amazing mentor, really best friend to me. And, um, you know, I, I, I work hard to ensure that we always, his legacy uh, and everything that he's done for the running community and just the communities in general, always uh, that we keep to that high level of, of degree and, and can add to it. So I understand that uh, you're a legend. And, you know, before I even knew you, um, you just had this absolutely amazing reputation when it came to races. And then when I sat down with you at the coffee shop a few years ago over yeah. off of Arapahoe, I mean, it was just a wonderful conversation. I learned so much from you that I took back to the Maui Marathon that day. And I can understand, Lonnie, why you're saying that about Cree. Well, the, the deal is that you can learn from almost anybody if they're, if they're honest if they're transparent and if they're motivated. And um, like you just may have talked about me, but frankly, I've learned a lot from Lonnie. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's sometimes very healthy to realize you don't know everything. And one of the advantages that he and I both have is we get to not have all the responsibility of managing an event or the outcome. We're just the voice. We're just the person on a microphone and we get to have a, a lot of fun. It's great for our egos, if nothing else. Right. And it just, it feels so good. And we've got all the energy, but we also get to look under, look under their tablecloth where nobody else can look, mm -hmm. but an announcer can look at anything. They can walk into the timing tent. They can, they can go anywhere they want and people respect you. And so I have learned, and I, I let Lonnie speak for himself, but I was thinking about how many events I've announced over the last um, 40 years, and it's it's got to be 800,000 of mm -hmm. those um, because at least 20 a year for four decades. Yeah. This is terrifying. Um, and, uh, and, um, we won't punch it in the calculator. Yeah, the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Two, yeah. four is eight. Is, yeah, so it's well over seven, 800 events. Mm -hmm. So 
that gave me an opportunity to see what other people were doing, big events, small events, in between. And I'd come back, and if I got one nugget, I was really pleased. What about you, Lonnie? Has that ever helped you? Oh, totally. I, uh, I, I love observing. I love watching and, and seeing what works, what doesn't work, and also how I would do things differently. Um, and that does add to the ideas. I mean, really, we take, I always feel like, I think it's quite true. I've heard this a lot of in business acumen, too, is that you, you're not always necessarily creating something brand new. It's just that you're borrowing from other ideas and creating, putting, bringing those together and melding them together to create something different yeah, or better exactly. or new experiences. Right. You Perfect. can find something at any race you go to that you can take away, even if it's a terrible race there's something in there that you there's something in there that you can yeah i switched over the other side i was always a runner and when you mentioned the medals that was really important to me i have every single medal from every marathon that i completed and i started my marathoning in 1989 and i stopped in 2016 after 101 of those things i didn't want to run another one of those and i've all done all 50 states one could call you a dog Probably. You know, 101, he's a Dalmatian. I'm a, I'm a Dalmatian or whatever boom, boom. it is. All right. But those medals were so important to me. Work and, with me on this. And yeah, you're right. And you're, you were uh, virtual before virtual was cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Ironically, we were, yeah. I know, really, truly. And, and now I think, you know, in um, the last year, you know, it was really interesting, as, especially because we, we had to pivot very quickly, obviously, because of COVID. And the virtual thing became very quickly. And we saw this just, you know, there were some events that did very well successfully virtual or came with these virtual concepts and they went gangbusters and some didn't do anything at all. And it was hard to figure out a rhyme or reason. And I'm sure not sure that we still know the rhyme or reason. Mm. But I think the first thing that we did is as an industry, and this is something that I've, coming from my background in venture capital and stuff, I think the most exciting thing about the running industry to me was it was somewhat virgin territory it was behind what everybody else was doing in different industries. So there was a lot to be able to add, but it was slow to change. This last year has really progressed that because we've had no choice but to change. And look at how we look at the experience that we're doing with events. And I'll get to a little bit probably more of that in a minute, but one of the things on the virtual thing is that we first started taking this and going, okay, well, we're going to try to take race day experience and put it in a virtual format. And that was okay for a little bit of time, but didn't work long-term. So then it had to become how we can create virtual experiences that are completely unique to themselves and almost kind of, uh, you know, I like to say it's the uh, uh, take home the game, your home edition version. You know, I mean, we say virtual and that's the ver- the word that we use for it, but really it's people taking it home. They're not virtually putting on goggles yet, hopefully not, right. and running it in a virtual world, but they are doing it their way from home, going with a couple of friends on the path and the whatnot. Um, and there, I think there's a real opportunity there. Now, I don't think they will be as big as in-person events where we're going, but it has lent itself to giving people an experience to be associated with the brand and the event that doesn't necessarily have to be on the premise or at the venue itself. Mm. And that's where I see kind of some of the direction of that going. The other thing I think that we've really learned in the last year too is because we've had to pivot is... Um, we we look at, and I really think of start lines, and this won't be able to be doable for all events, especially really large events, but how do we make the experience better? You know, Disney's masterful at looking at where problem areas and where people aren't having the best experience at and sitting down and put investing millions of dollars and sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars. So how do we solve this? Now, we don't necessarily have the luxury in, in each event to have hundreds of millions of dollars to play with to solve these things, right. but just even looking at how we do starts, can we do them better controlled? Can we do them so that they're smoother? I mean, when we all have a mass start, even if we have large waves going, the first thing that happens, everyone starts running and then we hit the traffic jam and everyone stops and it goes, it backs and forth. And it's, it's, you spend the first couple of miles trying to run around everybody. 
And so is there a thing where we could be looking at maybe having some segmented different start times as opposed to start waves that are all happening at once or a few minutes apart, or even that where we've started really doing, and it doesn't take that much longer that we found out to do rolling wave starts where we have a controlled thing, bring people up instead of all starting to run because they're starting to run 30, 40, 50 feet or a hundred feet back. And then they hit the wall of people before they even get across the start line, but have them walk up into a rolling fashion and starting from there to make it a better experience. So I think those are things that now I look at of how we can improve the experience for people because we've gotten so many comments. People are like, man, that was great. I, you know, I, I miss being around a lot of people, but it was so nice not to have to run the first mile and have to do an additional mile getting around everybody. As a sardine, you know? Exactly. Well, I would say that, you're right. You're absolutely right. And, and we proved it. I mean, Lonnie was the operations and the announcer for some of our Colfax Marathon and now has a, a substrata that called Colfax Marathon Events. And he was my natural choice for being our operations component to it. Uh, and, and he was also my choice as an announcer because he understood exactly what we were trying to accomplish, uh, under COVID, uh, However, here's where you and I might not completely agree because as we get back to normal, and I don't, I'm not going to say new normal, normal, um, as we get back to normal, we have to also be under the constraints of uh, course time limits, uh, um, uh, where courses might merge, there's a million, um, so it's not an absolute. I agree with you, it can work beautifully on some events, but it won't work on all events. But he's right. I mean, we we kind of cracked the code and and we hit it under a you know we hit it under a bushel basket, um, perhaps more than we should have because he, he deserved a lot of credit as we built this model um, and people around the country did eventually figure it out and used it. Right. Yeah. And it could be downloaded from Running USA. Yeah. And, you know, you refined it a couple times. And, you know, what I liked about the virtual races is that it kept you motivated during a time when you didn't have live races and you didn't have, you could have something to motivate you, mm-hmm. something to look forward to. I personally appreciated the longer ones that, you know, may have been three, 400 miles. And then you could just run it at your own pace for a couple months or whatever, which is really awesome. But I, I want to kind of segue now into today. Mm. Where are we at today? Things are changing so much. Oh, look at <laughs> He's flipping a coin over there. But, but what I'm, what I was looking at when I was doing some research is that no matter what race I went into, that's all jammed into the fall, whether it's Boston, New York, your race, uh, Colfax, Tokyo, London, they're saying on their sites that they're going to have 20,000, 33,000, 50,000 runners, but it just seems like there's no real plan there yet. It's all fluid. So so I want to speak to this and then Lonnie can speak from his perspective is that as you well know, because you've been involved as an event director, you're making decisions months in advance, Not, not just weeks, but many months. And Andrea and I just, uh, Andrea Dowdy, our CEO for the Colfax Marathon uh, weekend, and I just, and in conversations with Lonnie, I mean, we, this was a very collaborative kind of a thing. Um, we said, you know, we, we need to launch. 
we need to launch. And there's so many components. And just to give you one example of how you have to pre-prepare for an event. And we wanted to come back. We were rolling the dice last, the beginning of November, when we had to put in a permit. There was no guarantee we were going to get the weekend we needed. And it was the only weekend we could use. Um, and we fortunately got it. But that was in November. Mm-hmm. Well, where was COVID-19 in November? It was a disaster. Right. And, uh, and yet we were banking on little less than 12 months later, we'd have an event. So we were running all these timelines and sequence of events over months and months of planning. And at the same time, being true to the concept that we were the experts, Lonnie, myself, Andrea, that could provide good guidance for the state of Colorado. Anybody wanted it open source nationally or internationally found people were looking at it. But we we had our own personal agenda, but we couldn't violate the safety component of it. So anyway, so the people that are, you know, when we were runners before we were event people, this was not something we even thought about. You know, put on the event. What's the big deal? And so um, when we finally launched, the thing that we had to wait for was the Broncos football schedule. Mm-hmm. Until the Broncos announced their schedule, which was first it was going to be announced middle of April. Then it was going to be what? The end of April. Then it was going to be the first week of May. I think we got to the middle of May. Yeah. I don't remember when it was. So we had two parallel plans. One to run the race on a normal Sunday with our 5K on Saturday. But we had already met with the city, the police, privately and said, if the Broncos go on Sunday, we don't get all those officers. We don't own the roads. And so can we have permission to go on Saturday? They said, absolutely, we're all in. So we had a a parallel plan. What are we gonna announce? How are we gonna market it? What are we gonna say and so on? And so I'm just mentioning that because where we are today and what people are doing, I think some people are overly cautious in the fall. I think they're making strategic mistakes. But I think on the other hand, if you have the largesse, the money in the bank as a major event, if you have Bank of America behind you and you're Chicago, I don't think you're worrying a whole lot. Right. If you're the New York City, uh, if you're New York uh, City uh, Road uh, New York Roadrunners, I'm thinking New York City Marathon. Yeah. If you're New York Roadrunners, you have a lot of money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have the ability to make easier decisions. But if you're Lonnie, and you own events and this is your lifestyle and this is your business and this is your family. And he's got two kids going to Southern Cal in the fall. I mean, this is real, this is real life stuff that you have to deal with. Right. And, I, and I just wanted to mention that because talk about what it's like to run a family in the pandemic, adjust all your finances and then come out uh, blazing with all guns blazing in the spring. Well, I, I think there's kind of two things in that. One, from a business standpoint and a family standpoint, because so many of us, you know, anyone that works in this industry, um, New York Red Runners, Boston, all that stuff like that, they're, they're family-owned companies that are behind the scenes that are really doing all the, the crux of the work. So a lot of them have had a really difficult time, and sadly, some of them had to go out of business. Yeah. Some of them were 
probably in doing it for many decades and decided I'm, I'm done, I'm retiring, this is it. Um, so there's, there's going to be, I think besides, you know, kind of where we look at what the fall events are going to have is I think there could be some challenges of who's going to do them. Yeah. Who's going to do the event management? Who's going to do the timing? Yeah. Because we've, we've lost really good people and getting them back in, they've had to look for other things to do because this isn't New York Roadrunners has timing components and event directors and everything like that. They, they look for a lot of outsource consultants that come into that, that are part of that cohesive team. Uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, but for, you know, for us, it was, I mean, honestly, it was extremely scary at first because it is your livelihood and you right. don't know what you don't know. Um, but we were able to pivot pretty well and we were able to hibernate, if you will, to some extent. And then we really started working on focusing on what we could do for our clients to get them through things and helping them out with virtual. Mm -hmm. And and we learned how to do live streaming of opening ceremonies for virtual events and all kinds of things that still come into play for this year and probably will be some part of things going forward because it, offers some new engagement opportunity. Um, but as a business, and I think, you know, I don't know necessarily, I think so much to our events because we have a little bit, I mean, we, it does affect us, but I think more of, because we can be pretty lean. Like it's great if I have sponsors, best thing in the world, right. but I'm not dependent on them for doing my event. Um, but when I look at large organizations or some, uh, that are charities or community events or even smaller charities, that rely on having to have a certain number of people and have to also have those sponsorships to make it work because we know events are not cheap. There's a lot of infrastructure and cost to them. They're having to look at this year where we can say on a 30,000 foot view surface, well, hey, you know, by fall, you can have your event or you, you don't have to be necessarily, as you know, Chris said, as cautious, but it all is the economic piece of it mm -hmm. is what people don't realize is that, you know, we work with a, a major uh, world, a major U.S. charity that you know they have one of the largest events in Denver that takes place, but their baseline cost is 130 grand. Mm -hmm. They don't have the sponsorships coming back this year. So they're looking at, we either can't have the event, we can't take that financial risk. We already had to do furloughs. We had to cut programs. We have to be able there to create our mission. And lost people and lost managers. Yeah. And lost people. So they're looking yeah. at that. So now our big thing is, you know, we look at, at events that are outside the really large ones. There's going to be a mixture. There's going to be some that sadly are, it was sadly the nail in the coffin. They're going to go away. Right. Um, there's going to be some that are going to be just virtual this year, just because of those reasons, the financial risk. Um, and because as you said, you know, we, we plan six to nine months out. So today what we plan for may not be how things look in six months, but we got to plan it as if it were happening today. Right. That's all we know. Right. So the, those kinds of basis we have to plan on. Um, the, uh, but, you know, going back to the economic piece of it too, is then we're looking at, okay, can we create a smaller footprint event? Maybe not as, maybe not as many people, but can we keep it so that you have, that you can still be profitable, but not have that huge, large financial commitment um, right. and risk there that we can still do it, still bring, have the event in person, but maybe we have to do some caps. And I think that's really important for runners to understand because they can look and say, well, this is you know stupid. You know, we, There's no mass mandates now. We can get together. We can have large groups outside. Why can't we have 10,000 people? Well, there's a lot of economics that come into play right. with it that exactly. we have to be careful of. So that's where we're, I think we're going to see certainly some things come out to be. And that's what we're trying to walk through clients through right now. I see 2022, knock on wood, hopefully that no weird variants or other things happen. We didn't think 2020 was going to happen the way it is and everything to happen. So I'll never say never. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. But it's certainly given us a new appreciation for how complicated everything is. Do you see it? 
pivoting. Let's use an example, the one that I'm going to run, which is Georgetown, Idaho Springs. Sure. You have you have staggered starts. I mean, you have different start times going similar to what you had over at the running of the green. Do you see now, because it seems like things are changing really fast. They are. There's more crowds. I, I think I just saw something today on Nine News that they're going to have a second opening day at Coors Field against the Pirates where they're going to have 100% capacity inside sure. the stadium. Do you see maybe switching it up and tightening those times down or are you going to continue with the same <laughs> format that you have right now? Yeah, I, 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 you know, it's interesting you bring up Georgetown, Idaho Springs. That's one of the events that we consult on in time and, and I announce that too. Um, and it's a, it's a, the booster club that owns the event. And so again, small community, they're trying to raise money for the schools in Clear Creek. Um, but it's an iconic event in Colorado. And, you know, we, we, at the time when we put it together, we had to appease and rightfully so we wanted to be safe and we had to put plans together for the departments of health to get it approved, how we were going to handle busing, how we we're going to get people up there. There's also construction taking place in Georgetown. So where we could have a lot of people park up there normally, we have to bus most everybody up there. How are we going to handle that? And a lot of those questions had to be answered then. So it's, it's as much as it would be great to say, okay, well, now we don't have to worry about that. All that infrastructure has already been set up and planned for. So it's almost too late to change some mm, of those things. Got it. Um, but we have the, um, uh, but it allows us some flexibility, um, you know, to some extent to change things a little bit. But yeah, it's, um, um, I, th I think it's going to be very event dependent. Um, and for the events themselves, because they've lost people too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we right. had that question, we had that conversation with Georgetown, Idaho Springs to say, do you want to increase your cap? And they're like, well, you know, we just, it's, it's too complicated. We just don't have the resources available to do that. Because mm -hmm. we've already planned on this, this is what everyone set for. We know what our costs are going to be. We know that we've got this cap. We know what we're going to make. It's all set. And we just want to kind of get through safely this year. <laughs> right. Um, because we still, you never know what could happen. I mean, we've seen, we hope that everything goes well. But, you know, we, we know and we've seen other countries, unfortunately, have a situation that started opening up a little bit too fast. And they've had, uh, for whatever, you know, unfortunately, have had a widespread thing and they've had to tighten things back down again. And, and who's to say that that couldn't or couldn't happen here? So Absolutely I think there's a definitely could. a cautious part of, of just doing things in a safe manner. I agree. But I think um, it is okay to be... Uh, and I'm I'm the eternal optimist, and so yeah. I, I believe um, that we're going to be normal. And I think by the middle of August, we have the mile high. We just announced it: the mile high women's 10k, a women's only 10k. And we already have the course. We already know the cost. We, you know, we know exactly what we're doing. <clears throat> and the start is going to be a much more normal start um, with some corrals and get them off. Right. But God forbid we had to go backwards a little bit. We already have that plan because we've already done that. Lonnie yeah. and I have already done, we've done a 10 K on the exact course, the exact setup. We know exactly what to expect. And, um, so I think you plan for the best, um, you prepare for the worst and you just hope that you can do it the way you want to do it because runners have what we've discovered and rediscovered over the last several months, they have a passion and an appetite for doing this normally. Right. And, uh, and if we can provide that product 
And, you know, that's the, that's the key to success so that we can roll into the fall. There's absolutely no question in my mind that, um, that we're probably going to see something go wrong somewhere, somehow. When you put 100,000 people in a stadium, good luck with having it be perfection because at the last I looked, the vaccination rate uh, with one, uh, one shot in Colorado was just around 60%. And with two shots was around 40%. Mm -hmm. Now, certainly I hope that's going to get better um, because that's what, that's what I believe um, with as much science as I know as an English major that, you know, that it's going to, we need that high rate of vaccination. And then we're, then I think we're going to be in great, much better shape than we are even today. I was reading recently that 17% of runners have just started during COVID and have no experience whatsoever right. with a live race. So this is going to be something that's absolutely amazing to them. Yeah, Jim, think back to, I can think back to some of the earliest road races. I'm not talking about running in college or in cross country in college, but I can think back to in the uh, mid seventies, some of the earliest road races that I did. And the sheer excitement, almost a level of panic um, excitement right. to go because I didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just such an exciting major league feeling to go to a start line and know you're about to go run seven miles or five miles or whatever it was back then. And um, I mean, our expectations were very low. Right. So when, when Lonnie puts on an event and they're a first time runner, they're going to go nuts. They are going to go nuts. <laughs> they're going to think, wait a minute, I've just gone to heaven. This yeah. is great. I forgot all the pain that I just experienced. Look at what's going on here. This is great. You have all those people at the start line. And, you know, if you, when you play the national anthem and everybody's nervous hopping up and down, and then when it goes off, everybody's running and, you know, you get those jitters out of you about the first mile, but it's the most incredible experience to be at a start line. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's your first one or if it's your 50th one. It's still a wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end, too, you know, when you come across the finish line and there's all that the stuff going on, you know, the you know, the music and the announcing and the, the excitement and the people smiling because they just accomplished something. I want that back. Yeah. And I'll tell you, um, and, and, the, and, and this was something that I think we delivered in my company in the old days. And then Lonnie has taken it to a whole nother level was um, thinking as not just an event manager, but thinking about what it's like to be that person uh, experiencing that event, going to the start line. <clears throat> figuring out that not everybody knows where the porta potties are. Not everybody knows where registration is. Not everybody knows they're supposed to put their bib on their front. Nobody, nobody really, you just assume that they know that, but they don't know that. And yet um, Lonnie, if you go to his website for at houseports.net, you look right. at, it kind of, it kind of lets you know how to do these things, you know, without right. embarrassing you or making you feel like a, a, an idiot, you, you feel good. You, you want to do this event. And then he re-engages them afterwards. And that's something I really never did um, in, a, in a particular way. I mean, I sent him an email or I don't know what I did, but it's been too long. But, um, but he, he keeps them engaged the whole time. And 
um, if I were a first time runner, one of the 17% and I went to one of his events, I'd be a runner for life. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the events that you're putting on now, it seems like one after another, after another, how many events do you own and how many events <laughs> do you manage? We, uh, we own probably eight or nine events, maybe 10. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of hard sometimes to keep track a little bit. That sounds funny, but then, uh, we, on a pre pandemic thing, we would work uh, about 130 events. So, mm. um, it's kind of all over and, and a lot of it, you know, where we might be doing full event management all the time, but we're doing always the consulting piece of it and trying to create those experiences. For me, the key is, is I don't think in terms of people doing this run, I think in terms of people have a story, they have a reason again, mm -hmm. kind of talking about earlier, why they right. get to that start line mm -hmm. and, and the story unfolds when they run mm -hmm. or walk or whatever, or they're jogging, whatever they might be doing. But when they get to the finish line, and one of my favorite things is, is what it teaches people. And I love, I, you know, when I was in the venture capital on a quick side tangent, I had a, a CEO that I worked with. Um, and his thing was, is he really liked to hire marathoners because they knew that they had the dedication um, and the perseverance and they knew how to work hard at something, even if they got derailed, which is a lot that goes in the metaphor of, of mm. you know, marathoning. Right. You're training for it, there's lacking go wrong. But when you get to the finish line, it's not the end. I always said, and one of my favorite things I came up with and when I tell, I always say it to events uh, at a start line is, remember when you get to that finish line, it's not the end, it's the beginning of what's possible. Right. Because you've just accomplished something you never thought you could. You just did your story. And the stories are what are so invigorating and mm. motivate me. I mean, it increased, right. It is, is, is honorable and fun. And there is definitely something with the ego about being at the event and being the announcer and being the voice for it. But it is the, for me, it always is then to remember that I'm there to bring out those stories for people. You yeah. never know the stories. You know, I think of one time that you never know the things you pick up because I love to observe and watch what's going on and try to find where those stories are at. In one particular case, an event, I remember that we had, um, it was a 5K and it, it kind of cracked me up a little bit because this guy was running without a shirt, cowboy hat on and jeans. And so I was like, oh, there goes our shirtless cowboy and jeans up. And he came across the finish line. When he came across the finish line, I noticed he looked up and he had some in his hand and he pointed up to the sky. Mm. So for me right away, I was like, okay, there's something there. And I, uh, I went down and before I put a mic, cause I always know some people are uncomfortable and stuff. I just said, we well, you know what, uh, what was that about? And then uh, he was comfortable talking about the story, but his, when he was young, his mom was, uh, in the army and lost her life to the first desert storm. Mm. And he was holding her dog tags. Oh my. And when he came again, he did that event. And it was, and it wasn't a memorial run by any means. It was, it was a, actually it was a women's half marathon in 5k. And when he came across the finish line, that's what he was doing. And then it was amazing to me because then I, it just instinctively and somehow coincidentally picked him and he got to share that story. So that for him, which to me was just a moment in time, I remember it, but for him, that was everything. I'll give you another example. You made me think of it. And, and that's right. That's the privilege of being an announcer because by serendipity or by choice, you'll interview people afterwards. Well, there's a guy, he's gone now for several years. And I don't know if he was around when you were starting, Steve Muniz, um, yep. Flagman. Yep. So <clears throat> this guy wasn't fast and he wasn't exactly svelte, but he was um, always at all the races. Really great personality. Everybody liked him. He worked at King Supers as a checker, I think. And uh, um, he was a, a fixture at all the races in the 80s and, and the 90s. And uh, Steve 
carried a flag and people would some, and he was always almost last a lot of the time. And people would, I mean, you could hear them making fun of him um, in the early years. And one day I went up to him and I said, you know, everybody wants to know why you're carrying the flag. I had a microphone. He said, oh, I'm glad you asked. Um, He said, I fought in Vietnam. I was a medic and I was with a special forces unit. And this is to celebrate them. Mm. It was powerful. Wow. Yeah. Still gets me. You know, um, I, I try to position the podcast around the everyday runner and I look for stories like that to talk to people. And I've had some really amazing guests mm-hmm. on to talk about their story. And it's, it's one after another when you get into the running world, just like you, you're getting choked up over yeah. that story that you just mentioned. And you, you said being privileged to be an announcer um, I always position myself at the finish line of the Maui Marathon to kind of make sure everything's going well over there. That's where I wanted to be. I sure. didn't want to be out there and miss everything, but I wanted to see those people run across the finish line. I wanted to see the expressions on their face. I wanted to see them just the you could tell that they just accomplish something they never thought they could. Absolutely. Some of them are just seasoned runners and they come up with their fist pump, but others come across and it's just an amazing feeling and I get choked up. I'll tell you what, um, I bet, I I mean, uh, I don't think I've ever, you can correct me on yourself too, if I'm wrong. I don't think there's ever been a race that I've announced. I mean, all those women's triathlons for Danskin, a hundred of them, um, or any race that I've ever announced where I haven't learned a story that was touching, was mm-hmm. grass, that, that grabbed you. Um, what do you think? Oh, definitely. And I was going to kind of bring it back full circle to that, you know, the story piece of it and the announcing piece of it. But there's so many people that unfortunately we don't get to talk to, but we've mm-hmm. created this platform. And that's where I look at the event ah. itself. We've created a platform for people to experience, share those stories, especially now with social media, they have the ability to share these things. And um, it was really telling through the pandemic. I think when we started putting on events, we didn't know a couple of things. We didn't know one, how we were going to do it. <laughs> and if it would work, it was great to put it on paper. We didn't know if people would comply. We didn't know how people would like these things. And two, would they show up and be okay with it being different? And would they like that? Because obviously for some of these charities, it meant some little bit of money coming into them. For us as businesses, it meant some little bit of money coming into us to keep afloat. And out of hundreds and hundreds of events that I've been involved with, and typically, you know, we don't really hear from the people all the time that love the event. We hear from the people that didn't like their shirt or didn't like this or they didn't <laughs> like the way this person talked to them. I had received, and uh, my wife and I both did a lot, so many unsolicited emails of people thanking us mm-hmm. because it was, it was important to them. It was part of who they were. And even though they looked differently, the events looked differently, they were so appreciative mm-hmm. of the fact to be able to do the event, even if it was different, even if they had to be socially distanced, even if they had to be in these staggered start waves, it was something that they enjoyed doing and it was it was important to them. And again, kind of the whole thing, that personalization piece of it. And we've always, I've always made myself very accessible and Cree does this very well. That's why he can go, you know, be at any event announcing and there's probably 200 people that'll be like, Cree, Cree, and know who he is. Right. Um, and for, and he and I both will joke about this at some point. Sometimes we've only met them once and they've seen us 10 times and we're like, who are you? Um, yeah, but that's, that's the hard part. <laughs> we wish we could remember everybody's name, but it's important to them 
And that's something I always want to try to remember is that, yeah, you know, the, the COVID events, they were long days. It was like doing an ultra marathon. We were out there at four, three thirty, four o'clock mm. in the morning. We're not leaving until 2 PM. We're not getting home till 6 PM, but for a 5k, um, but it was important to people and it gave them that mental break that they needed. Uh, it gave them something back in their lives and they were so appreciative. And I remember uh, announcing a, one of our events at the start line and getting everybody and just thanking them for being there and coming out and knowing that we were doing everything that, in our power to make sure that they were safe. And everyone broke out and just, uh, you know, unsolicited applause. I'll give you a great yeah. example of, uh, you know, Lonnie is extremely well known um, as a face of running now in Colorado because I hardly announce at all anymore. I mean, I might do two events a year, you know, if he allows me to have a microphone for a few minutes. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but I mean, I truly- I'm, You never see us announce a lot together because we both like the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I would say never, that would be an interesting uh, vision. Yeah, never had a microphone I didn't like. Yeah. Right. So anyway, yeah, exactly. but, uh, but what I was going to say is that in the middle of May, we did an alternate event, a 5K and a 10K, uh, a runner's reunion, 5K and a 10K, on Saturday and Sunday in Denver City Park and had over a thousand people and it was great, but people don't really know me. I mean, unless they actually are older, maybe, you know, right. and uh, they just don't know me. And it, and it didn't matter that I was the race director and, and like you, it, it, what I just do. Um, so the, it, it doesn't matter. But so I decided I would stand just beyond the finish line and greet people, you know, just... Hey, great race. How'd you do? And, and, and I didn't care what they were going to say, but I wanted to know what they were going to say. And so I kept asking, you know, did you have a good day? Or did you have fun? Not one person had a negative thing to say. Right. It was stunning to me. I went, oh, I wish all races were like this. Yeah, no you know, every single, to the person said, great day. Thanks very much. Great day. Thanks. You know, and. And you're going, wow, we just did something really special. And, and they don't know who I am. I mean, I was soliciting, I mean, they could have been just a volunteer. Right. And, but Lonnie started it because he had to start the race. <laughs> and if he'd given them a bad start, by the time they got the finish, they'd be frothing at the mouth. But right. instead they had an amazing experience. Of course, he had to make sure they went the right way because his team was doing all of our operations. They had a remarkable experience. That yeah. became remarkable. Yeah. And you know, and to say on that too is the um, the the key for when I talked about the the perfect and the personalization piece of it. Everyone loves like they feel like they know somebody on the inside, and mm -hmm. we always my team always makes ourselves very accessible. We want people to know mm -hmm. who we are, not because we're trying to boost our ego, because they like that personal connection. Mm -hmm. We want them. This is their event. We're there. We've lent them. We've created this environment for them to accomplish whatever that is: lose weight, do their first five k, run a PR pay tribute to somebody, whatever that is. We've given that venue and we want to be accessible to them to have the best experience possible. We want them to know us. I want them right. to know that they can call me personally. They can email me personally. I may not always remember who they are, but know that I'm going to treat them equally as well as a family member coming into our house and that they're going to get that personalized attention. And sadly, you know, it's, it's all with all customer service, but we see that with a lot of events. I mean, we get emails and we've all done that. We've seen that where people just fire an email angrily right away. They don't even aren't nice about it. Sometimes we're, we have to take a moment and, and, and let it realize that it's just kind of how people react because they know right. they're not going to get responded to most of the time. But we respond to them. We respond in kind. 
Yeah. We try to understand them and we try to help them out right away. And then they come back and they're like, wow, I can't believe that was awesome. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. And my favorite thing was um, this person. And actually we even made stickers of it because it was just, it just floored me. They were so excited about the events coming back and they were so impressed on how well that we did um, that they signed up for all of our series. <laughs> they tried one and they signed up for the whole series, but yeah. they were saying back and they go, you guys are 100% freaking awesome. <laughs> and so I have stickers that say that, but now I give that out to participants because they're the reason because they're 100% freaking yeah. awesome that it gives us the motivation to do what we do. That's great. Isn't that a great statement? You know, Lonnie, I, uh, I think we need to loop around and talk about your story. Oh, it's a great, this is a great story. How you got involved with all of this. You have two beautiful daughters, but that might not have been the case back when they were, um, were born. They yeah. had TTTS and it, that all started because of you and your wife, Michelle's energy to find a solution. And it basically saved their life and it started what you have done. Can you tell me a little bit about all of that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a really uh, it, long story, but I'll, t- I'll make it short. Um, you know, we, my wife and I took a while to, to uh, uh, conceive and um, we uh, were amazed by the fact that we were pregnant. And then uh, four weeks later, we found out we were having twins. And it was probably the first time in my life that I was silent for 48 hours. Uh, (laughs) Not four to eight, but 48 hours. Um, But it was incredible uh, to think we were having twins. And of course, it was our first children. And like every parent, you're not really a parent yet. And then uh, we went to a normal, what we thought was normal checkup. So far, my wife was the, it was the model pregnancy. Everything was going great. And we found out they had this condition, twin to twin transfusion syndrome, which did a quick education on that is most of the time identical twins share a placenta. And uh, you can think their circulatory systems are linked since it's shared in that placenta. Well, one baby gets a disproportionate amount of blood nutrients. nutrients. The other one doesn't get as much. Actually, the one that gets too much is if you and I were to sit down and start drinking water nonstop, uh, our bodies can't handle that. They, they get increased blood volume. Their heart has to work really hard. They become, um, they get into heart failure. A lot of nasty things happen. And they actually usually end up succumbing before the one that isn't getting anything. Um, and we were found out uh, the next day we were at high risk specialists. It was very scary. They pretty much gave us two choices, let them die in utero or terminate the pregnancy. And this was our first kids. And the only thing that kept running through my mind was when you have children and you're expecting those children, they are everything that your mortality and your hopes and dreams are wrapped up into. And losing the fact of being able to change that first diaper, to hear those first cries, to see the first smile, to see the first day of school, to see them graduate, to see them get married, being ripped away from us was devastating. Um, And it was a quick and longest time of my life. Uh, because when in everything happened in slow motion, but everything was happening too fast, um, by just some really coincidental luck, we found a periodical of a doctor that was doing, uh, fetal surgery. He was known highly regarded as a father of fetal surgery. He had a procedure that might be able to help. Um, we knew nothing and put all of our faith into this one person. And a week later we were in Tampa, Florida. They did in utero surgery. I mean, you can imagine this, they're working inside the uterus all minimally invasive, mapping out a placenta, finding the vessels that connect them, sealing them off, and then hoping that there's enough blood supply and enough time that they overcome everything. Mm. And when we had this almost 18 years ago, there was a 50% chance that only one would survive, if that at all. Um, And that most likely they'd be born with some type of morbidity issues. 
we were very fortunate that we didn't have, they were born at 35 weeks. It was a lot of up and down after the surgery of not knowing scariness. I mean, we, we knew it was the best place for them to be in the womb, but we, all I wanted to do was hold them. And I'll never forget, you know, when they were finally born and being in there in the, um, the delivery room, uh, they were done by C-section. Um, as soon as they were delivered, I lost it. Because <laughs> it was like the whole world had been waiting up and I finally got to hold them. And um, uh, that was the most amazing moment. And they say kids change your life and mine really did. I was, for those that were fans of Family Ties, I was Alex P. Keaton. <laughs> I was the big business nerd. I was big in the venture capital. I wanted to have the big corporate office. I was about wanting to be the CEO of a major corporation. Um, and I got into running in, later in life. And then it was like, well, if Komen can do it, how hard can it be? Famous last words. Yeah, there, right? there you go. <laughs> the, typical, the typical person that gets into doing an event is, we have no idea what we're doing, but how hard can it be? And we're like, oh, that's really hard. You know, our first thing I think is uh, event consultants is to scare people. Let them know it's going to be a hundred times harder than you actually think. Right. Keep your story going. Yeah. I mean, tell us uh, more of the story. So yeah. it's a great story. We, um, um, so then we decided, um, I remember we were up in my, my home office and I looked at Michelle, my wife, and I said, you know, we should do a charity event and raise money for this. And she's like, oh yeah, great. We can get a few friends together and, and whatnot. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, this is going to be big. I'm going to do this thing. We're going to have thousands of people again, kind of not knowing anything. Um, and the first thing was there was this marketing company that I'd worked with at a company and I asked them if they would donate their service to create some uh, logos and imagery for us. And the first thing that they said, they knew him. And they said, mm -hmm. you need to reach out to Cree. So I did, and I will never forget, at meeting him at his house, he sat down and he gave us the whole play-by-play -play list, came mm -hmm. up with a date and everything like that. And there we were. And I always say the first year we were successful is because my wife didn't divorce me because it was a heck of a lot harder than I expected. <laughs> but that turned into um, creating uh, an awareness event. And then it was like, what are we doing with this money? And then that turned into creating the Fetal Health Foundation. And the, what our goal was is that it wasn't just twin-to-twin -twin transfusion syndrome, which actually kills more babies per year than SIDS. It was the fact that while there are a lot of rare fetal anomalies that happen, they take the lives of 200 babies every single day. That means there's mm -hmm. 200 families today that will never see that first smile, never mm -hmm. get to see that first day of school. It's actually four times greater than breast cancer. And that's a staggering statistic. And there's not a lot of awareness around it because we don't really talk about things that happen during pregnancy. It's very taboo. And we created that organization to be an awareness and a hope for our families. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been incredible. And Korea is, has been gracious to Linda's uh, being part of our board and a supporter of that mm -hmm. and help guide us to that. And, you know, we are still a, a very small organization, but we're doing amazing things on shoestring budgets um, uh, and helping families provide that hope. And, uh, you know, and that, you know, that was one direction. The other direction was really because of meeting Cree. It was him, you know, I had, I used to do, I did radio very, very long time ago. And so, like he said, there's not a microphone that I've never not loved. <laughs> yeah. It's like I start salivating. Mm. And uh, so I started to announce some of Don't events. eat my microphone. Yeah, I won't, okay, I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sanitize it down, I promise. Um, I, I, I started announcing for uh, some events and then I think it was actually Renee um, who was at one and told Cree, hey, Lonnie wasn't too bad. And then Cree's like, well, hey, maybe you should uh, help out a couple of things. And then I, I uh, think I remember sitting down with him going, I really want to learn more about it. And no, he just jumped on the horse and rode it. I see ya. <laughs> and, uh, the Bronco Brule. Yeah, so, but 
you know, again, it was uh, a lot of, I mean, I have to really credit Creek because he helped open a lot of doors for me to get in my foot in the doors of those type of things. And then made me look good. And uh, there you go. That's right. That was very important. I wanted to make sure of that. And then in uh, 2009, there was, uh, again, a national company that was really faltering, having some challenges. They had some assets in Colorado and, and uh, they, uh, Cree kind of set us up to talk to them and we thought it would be an interesting side business. And, and then the rest was history from there. But, mm. um, you know, my, my daughters really did change everything in my life. You know, I'm not sitting at some major corporation earning a million dollars a year, CEO, and that stuff isn't important to me. What's important to me is very altruistic in nature is that the events that we put on are making a difference for people individually and to the charities and to the communities that we do them in. And that is more than a reward for me. And the fact that I get to see those two. Yes. You know, who are now amazingly <laughs> in college, who just did their freshman year here at the USC campus a la Littleton location <laughs> mm. for their first year, um, just do incredible things. So, and, and I will say that, you know, as I've gotten older and I realized how valuable the experience of having a good family is. And I've watched these girls grow up. I mean, that's what's really strange. And of course, now they're going to my alma mater for my graduate school. So I'm, I'm all in for that. But I think what um, the, the life lesson, if anybody's listening to this, should know is that if you're really good at what you do and you love doing it, you're successful. It is not a balance sheet. It's not a balance sheet. It's nothing to do with that. It is everything to do with, can you look at your life work and say, what did I actually accomplish? And to see that, you know, we're sitting in Lonnie's house and, and to see these girls running around, these young women, I think of these little girls, you know, that, you know, it's just, it's stunning to me to see them all grown up and, and being so successful and positive. And it's because of the parents and how they've managed these children as they've grown up in a loving and nurturing environment. It's really a good thing. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here right now, and I don't know if you've ever sat back and think that this experience here, connecting in with Cree, how many lives you've changed. Uh, that's my point. I mean, considerable amount of lives because you put together, like you mentioned before, a platform for people to go out and do things and, you know, the story coming up to the starting line, mm. both of you, you know, you and your 31 years of experience and you coming into the running world because of your daughters. It's just amazing. It is. So, so my, my partner in life, Renee Hamilton, she has said this to me many times, particularly when I've, I'm not sure I've done a hundred percent perfect job of announcing or a perfect job of directing an event. She said, do you realize how many lives you just touched? And that's the point. Right. You, 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 you just gave somebody, you just said something really nice to somebody that may not have heard a kind word about themselves all month. And you just made them walk on water, you know? And so it, you know, it's humbling. It, it, there's a level of humility that you gain from this awareness but sometimes somebody else has to tell you because you don't, you're so, so much in the thick of it. You don't know. You don't right. know that you're doing anything. You're just kind of doing what you do, but, but it pays back in ways that immeasurable ways. Hmm. You know, and I think that when I look at the, when I look at announcing is particularly is 
uh, being in it, and Kree and I share this uh, intimately, is that we both are race directors. We understand that we can help be almost a guidance to make sure everything runs smoothly because we're looking at things at level. It's different than just having a good voice. And we can see those things and make sure things are running smoothly and we can help ease those things because we don't need somebody there directing us and stuff. And we can see where there's issues or whatnot and mm. help control those things, especially, you know, through COVID and stuff. A lot of people put emphasis on the announcer of having a good voice and they can read a script. And there's so much more to that um, to really have a really good announcer. And I, I think there's very few people that have that full skill set. There's some great people that have some wonderful voices, but to be able to combine a wonderful voice, bring out a good fun time, but then yep. still be watching over everything right. and know it and, and know, know, it. know yeah. the industry, know how right, race right. works from right. the inside out. And I remember clearly the conversation I had with Andrea now several years ago. And um, she said, you're an announcer. You know, we'd had some different announcers. So you're an announcer, but, you know, is there anybody out there that you would recommend that we use? And I remember telling Lonnie one day, we want you to be the voice of the Colfax Marathon weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, as soon as we hit COVID, it wasn't, I was suggesting Lonnie, she just said, well, Lonnie will announce, right? And I went, well, let's make sure he's available. <laughs> there you go. You know, but yeah. it, it's just so funny how it works. And by the way, when are you driving out to USC? Uh, after the event. Okay, good. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. our event's on the 15th. Yeah, it's right after yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great sure. drive, by the way. I love yeah. the drive. Are you going to go through Utah? Probably, yeah. I love yeah. that drive. Oh, yeah, that's um, great. But you know the and but the uh, kind of going back a little bit on that announcing thing too is is um, you know you never know like the lives that you touch mm. and I try to keep that in mind again is that besides trying to keep everybody safe watching the environment mm. making sure that things are going smoothly having a good voice trying to have fun with people and make an experience for them is again you never know what lives you're touching but even the simplest thing uh, one event, you know, talking about this, I remember this, this gal came up to me and she motioned me over and she's like, thank you so much. She's like, you made it so personal. You made me feel special, mm -hmm. you know, because you made it feel like it was about me. Mm -hmm. You know, there was 5,000 people's event. How do I do that to one person? Mm. And she was from Canada. She was there by herself. She was in the United States mm. and she gave me a Canadian pen as a remember a token mm. to remember that, you know, thank you. You made this very special for me. And I, I couldn't tell you to Wait this day. She pinned you and your wife knows about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, you know, they're friendly in Canada. So, Hey, um, but, uh, that to the bum bum. Yeah. Um, terrible puns are what I do. It's a dad thing. Got to do it. Uh, I'm thoroughly entertained. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was one of those things. You're evidently that, very easily entertained then. Oh, very, yeah. Uh, yeah, I am. I'm, pretty I'm guessing a lot of us haven't gotten out in the last year. So, you yeah, know, the, the migration pattern of the African and on Discovery series is like amazing, <laughs> amazing. right now to me. <laughs> just amazing. If I go to Netflix, I can't handle it. My mind just can't uh, handle, you know, like the Queen's Gambit and things like that. Uh, but the uh, but just that little thing of, you know, makes you realize that you never know whose lives that you're touching that day. Um, mm. and sometimes when, and we all do, you know, we're at that and like, gosh, did I really do my best today? Could I have done better? And I think we can always look, we always race. think that we always can think we can do better, but somewhere you touch somebody's life. And actually just recently, and this is funny reunion, 5k, 10k, good buddy of ours. Uh, somebody that used to, uh, that used to be, uh, work with one of the radio stations. Um, and is a Colfax ambassador. His name's TJ. Oh my God. That He's was so funny. Late to the event. I mean, mm. we're talking 
Almost a day late. Um, no, he wasn't that bad. But, he, but I see him running the wrong way going from the start line and he's running really quick. I'm like, TJ, are you running today? Because he ran the day before. Too. It was like 30 minutes after the start. And uh, he's really? going, he's yeah. like, yes, I'm really late. And I was like, okay. And so I'm like, well, I guess we're keeping the start line open for a little bit. And he was the only one around. So I'm having a little bit of fun with him. And then uh, I'm like, come on, TJ, come on. We're waiting on you, you know, this whole thing. And then all of a sudden I go, I go, you do realize this is the only time that you're ever going to have your own personalized start. And then just out of the blue, Tony Basil's, hey, Mickey, you're so fine, starts playing. And so I don't know how instinctively I just started, hey, TJ, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind, hey, TJ. And it was so funny because he's just like all into it. He's like, I can't uh, believe I'm late, but this is great. And, you know, somebody recorded it, put it on that. And he felt like a complete superstar well, that day. Well, it helped that it was sort of a downhill through the start. Too. That did too, but it was. He was in stride. And chip timing. And chip timing. Yeah. yeah, thank goodness for that. But again, it's one of those things of, of you know, we, we've become very personal with a lot of the people and you know who you can, uh, you kind of get a feel for who you can kid around a little bit with and make it fun. But then you do make those moments fun, even though they're late. And from our standpoint, it's like, mm. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're that late. You know, I mean, <laughs> this isn't like yeah. start whenever you want type of thing, but it was so, it was a we, perfect moment. We mm. still made it fun and it'll be something he'll remember for the rest of his life that he got that whole thing and he got serenaded by, I can sound good on a mic, but singing is a completely different thing. So he'll remember that moment for sure. Was it, was it singing on the video too? Sadly, yes. Ah, is that <laughs> still available a, out there anywhere that I need to find so I can post it in the show notes? We, we will oh, yeah. plead the fifth on that one. Okay, it's I'll find it's it. Out there. I'll find it. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, I'll look and find it. So I want to I wanna wrap it up, but I do want to ask Cree something. Um, with Colfax, we didn't talk a lot about Colfax, yeah. but you know, with everything jammed into October and November, what are you expecting this year? Well, you know, we we plan for you know the last time out of the bank, you know, out of the out of the uh, start line, we had twenty thousand people, and uh, you know, I, I'll just tell you that we, you know, just in this first week or two, of, what week, week or two of registration, we've got over seven thousand people. That's perfect. You know, and so you know, we don't know what we're going to end up with, but we're going to make it as good as we can make it, and make it as fun as we can make it, and. Uh, Obviously, Lonnie's going to be a part of that. How sports plays a big role for mm -hmm. uh, the Colfax Marathon weekend. It's no question. But but we are planning on full-on event, and we have some challenges in front of us. And it'll be the first time we've started the marathon with the half marathon together, which was a plan for 2020. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, 2021. And we even had to, again, uh, revise our half marathon course and are going to get it recertified the third time around um, in the second week in June to because we had to do a, a, yet a different kind of a course to, to make it all fit together. And, you know, people don't know, but we have to work with the Denver Zoo. We have to work for the Denver Museum of Nature and Science. We have to work with the city entities. I mean, it is a, it is a big, big big, huge bowl of soup with a lot of players trying to drink out of it. And, uh, um, and as Lonnie knows, it's, it's event management, particularly in the city and county of Denver, when you're doing multiple events with different start lines and things, um, it, it's, it's a really a, an interesting circus to try and to try and manage, but we're very excited. The response by the runners have been great. Um, the shirt is awesome. The medal is awesome. There's just so many things that we are excited about that uh, we, we want people to remember 
2021 like they remembered 2020 or right. 2019. 2019, right. They, we, you know, they had a great experience there. This isn't going to be a diminished experience. Right. Yeah. It'll be just as good as it always we, was. We it's not better. We certainly hope so. And we, you know, it, it won't be the, I mean, it'll be more because it'll be cooler unless the weather's weird and can be, but um, it'll be more of a continental breakfast, but a good one. You know, right. it'll have the entertainment component. It'll have the 5K on Sunday and not Saturday. I mean, other than that, it's just business as usual. Well, and I've had 18 months to come up with some very interesting puns. Oh, yeah. And he, oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah, he is, he's, he's full of puns. Well, you got 9,215 qualifiers that again didn't get into Boston, so you're going to probably get some of them. Oh, yeah. And we're a local <laughs> race. I mean, for yeah. the most part, we are 85% or 90% Colorado. Right. So we are um, a, an easy marked a hit. And, and so we have an obligation uh, to produce a quality event and that's what we hope we will do. Perfect. I'm looking forward to it. Cool, man. Yeah, I definitely. And, you know, we can't get out of this podcast, but I'm sure you need to give some kudos to your wife because I'm sure she's- I already did. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't heard him do it, but no, he is. But I know that she's a big part of Hell Sports, so Absolutely. yeah. No, I, um, I, I've always told Michelle doesn't like the limelight as much, but she is uh, throughout our entire lives. She's, she's allowed better me looking to be, too. Absolutely. I mean, she's allowed me to be the uh, dreamer mm-hmm. and she's been the foundation support um, to make those things happen. Mm. So she always allows my crazy wild dreams and ideas at times, she is the, the uh, foundation allows them to happen and none of this would happen without her. It's mm-hmm. uh, truly a, um, uh, a, a great partnership on that. I couldn't do it. You know, I know sometimes she'll look at me and be like, I don't know how you do all these things. And I don't think she realizes the importance that she plays because again, she is that foundation piece of it that allows me to do these things. And, and she's the engine behind it that makes it happen. Mm-hmm. So I can do this, these I, things and create them. I just want to know what a chief wizard officer is. Because <laughs> <laughs> exactly, somehow she makes it all happen behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, Magic wand. The, the wizard yeah, exactly. behind the curtain. But, you know, and I, I was going to leave everybody with this thought of uh, for 2021 is with the events coming back is that there's going to be a mixture of things. And I think, you know, again, patience and understanding is that there are so many things, as Chris said, you know, his analogy of the big bowl soup, whether you're a small event or large event, there's economics, amount of staff involved, availability, so many things that are coming into play this year, that's going to be a hodgepodge of things. And I really hope that people return to the really big events and support them because they're made up of a lot of independent contractors that help make those things happen. But I also hope that they remember that the, those community events and those charity events need help too. Right. And, and by they may look differently and stuff and, and not, and to have that patience and understanding with it, because it will be this kind of emergence and not everything's going to be at the same pace. Um, but I think it's going to be a wonderful time. And I just want everybody to keep a smile on their face, keep putting foot one foot in front of the other. And remember at the finish line, it's not the end. It's the beginning of what's possible. So let's Absolutely. keep doing it. Absolutely. Well, I must say that it's been an absolute honor to be in the presence of both of you, uh, Lonnie with Hell Sports, Cree with the Colfax Marathon, and then you're intermingling, mixing in with each other's organizations and uh, companies that I just think it's really awesome. And, you know, the power between both of you and what you're doing with the running world and here in Denver, you know, is amazing. And I thank you for everything that you do because it makes me, even though I've been on the other side as a race director and all that but it makes me as a runner feel real confident and happy that you're both doing this for us thanks buddy well jim it's a pleasure and i love the the, you know i I love what you're doing because um there's not enough of you 
to do this nationally and you're now, you know, entertain people worldwide. I mean, you have have fans in England, I know, and Ireland. Germany. Yeah. Everywhere. Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Whatever you said, I I think that's a good thing. took uh, four years of German, so they can speak it pretty well. (laughs) Ah, sehr gut. (laughs) Ah, okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on. That's a blast. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Wow, that was really a wonderful conversation. I enjoyed it so much, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. Thank you, Lonnie and Cree, for sharing so much about what you do. And you heard it firsthand from these two amazing individuals. Lonnie and Cree are so passionate about what they do and the events that they create and put on for runners, which are fun, safe, and ultimately change some lives. They truly make a difference. And keep in mind, there are race directors just as passionate in your own communities and they need to be recognized. And we thank them for their passion and hard work. And they do this for us runners. And don't forget that some upcoming races have been planned in advance. And the number one goal from any race director is to bring you a safe and fun event to enjoy. So as we come out of this pandemic, Be patient, grateful, and enjoy your race. And I wish you a PR. And if it's your first race, it's going to be a PR. And if you don't know what a PR is, it's personal record. And how about that? Your first race would be a personal record. Cool, huh? Well, to learn more about Lonnie and Michelle's Fetal Health Foundation, go to fetalhealthfoundation.org. There is quite a bit of information and also a donation link if you would like to provide your support. Remember, that was Lonnie and Michelle's path to running and changing not only their own lives, but because of this and what they've built with Hell Sports has changed the lives of so many. I put this link and more in the episode show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you remember in the conversation, you can also watch Lonnie's attempt to sing Hey, TJ, after Hey, Mickey, as TJ crossed the starting line 30 minutes late. That link is also in the show notes for this episode at feelgoodrunning.com. Well, of course, it's time for a quote. You know what? I just love these quotes. And because we're all coming out of the pandemic, things are getting back to normal. We're starting to get focused on our running again. And many of us have a target race and a goal that we want to achieve. I just want to read this quote for you. And it's by Kristen Armstrong. There is something magical about running. After a certain distance, it transcends the body. Then a bit further, it transcends the mind. And a bit further yet, and what you have before you, laid bare, is a soul. Hmm, I love that. Let me read it one more time for you. There is something magical about running. After a certain distance, it transcends the body. Then a bit further, it transcends the mind. A bit further yet, and what you have before you, laid bare, is a soul. That's from Kristen Armstrong. Keep that in mind. Ponder upon that on your next run. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. And thanks again to Lonnie and Cree for coming on and sharing. Please remember to subscribe to the Feel Good Running Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. It's free. And if you like the show, please consider leaving a rating or a review. It really does help the show out. And also, you can get on our mailing list at feelgoodrunning.com. What are you waiting for? Do it now. 
Seriously, I very much appreciate your support of this podcast. Well, runners, please be sure to run smart in the heat. There's several articles out there that can help you out. And it's really important during these upcoming hot months. So be safe, run well, and aim to reach your running goals. And one final thing I'd like to say, be kind to others, even if they're not kind to you. It's really good for the soul. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please consider sharing this podcast with your running friends and on your social media platforms. To access the show notes that included all the resources and links for this episode and to access past episodes, go to feelgoodrunning.com. Until next time, keep motivated, keep focused, and keep on running. It is sure to make you, well, feel good.